Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And as we promised you, our special entertainment guest once a month is with us tonight, George Pecoraro. We want to welcome my compadre and co-writer, the co-host of the show all the time, Mr. Pat Picciarelli. Hi, everybody. So George is coming from San Diego. I heard of that. Oh, we might as well do a commercial right now, too. George will visit me in San Diego because uh, on the 30th of September, the Italian-American Club of San Diego is honoring me and naming a street after me. And then we're doing a show for a sit-down dinner to raise money for scholarships. And then I hope that's off- not a dead end. What's that? I hope that's not a dead-end street. No, 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 no. Okay, very good. It's on India. Imagine this is on India Street in Little Italy. (laughs) 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 To try to get more confusing than that. And then we're at Pala Casino, P-A-L-A. It's actually in Riverside, but they say it's San Diego. And I'm doing a main event there in the main showroom. That's Saturday night. So if anybody wants tickets, just call Pala Casino. And it's my show that I created from our book. And the footage is amazing. Chronological, I take you through my life. And you're going to see Marilyn Monroe. She'll be singing, Sinatra singing, Elvis is singing. We got footage nobody has. Great show. Meanwhile, George, what'd you go down there, scouting? You, you, you live down there sometimes. Yeah, we come down once in a while. We have a little condo in Pacific Beach, which uh, butts up to La Jolla. It's a beautiful little place. It's uh, People say, uh, are you on the ocean? I said, no, I'm not on the ocean. I'm about two and a half miles from the ocean. And people say, well, that's not that close to the beach. I go, well, I live in Las Vegas. Well, it's 301, 341 miles closer to the beach than I am in Las Vegas. So no, you should, I, thought, I thought you were going to tell him there's enough sand in Vegas. I don't have to go buy some down here. <laughs> oh, I know. And then with the water receding in Lake Mead, they're finding all kinds of goodies. Uh, we, we did a show on that last week. Yeah. So we'll I'm, move on. <laughs> no, no, but I'm just so, so funny. We talked about that because I had two boats on Lake Mead. And in, and, and in 1980, they came up with a new way of disposing bodies, fortunately. And they're only investigating the 60s and 70s. I'm glad I'm not living there. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, they're going to find a lot more bodies. Pat, we were talking last time. You mentioned something about a story that we uh, you were going to – I was about to tell the, the yes, story. Uh, as, as we closed on that episode, you said, uh, don't forget to remind me about the Willie Nelson episode. So I've been thinking about that for the last month. Here we go. Uh, well, here we go. I was working on a film called Electric Horseman with Robert Redford and Jane Fonda. And I had just moved to Las Vegas from Florida, Hollywood, Pembroke Pines. And in those years, I only, I knew, well, Caesar's Palace was doing things like Stephen Eadie, Paul Anka, Frank Sinatra, you know, uh, tuxedo acts, Steve, you know, all the, the tuxedo acts. I didn't know any country Western acts ever. So I'm working on this film and a gentleman sitting in the corner with long hair and jeans. And he says, hello, how are you? I said, hello, how are you? And we started talking and I said, what do you do? He says, I'm a a singer. I said, oh, that's great. I go, what do you sing? You actually said this to Willie Nelson? Absolutely. You maniac. I had no clue. I didn't mean anything. It was just like sitting next to a plant. (laughs) So now, I won't tell Willie you said that. <laughs> so now, I, I said, "Well, did you ever work Vegas?" And he says, "Yeah, um, I'm negotiating here." Now we were taping at Caesar's Palace, and I said, "What do you mean here, at Caesar's Palace?" And he says, "Yeah." I said, "Well, you mean the barge? They had a there's a boat like in the and and the like a, they have lounge acts." That was a great. That was a great. I tell you, that was a great barge, Cleopatra's barge. 
That's how good my memory is. That's the name of it. And it was right outside the Bachman. Exactly correct. And it had great lounge shows, something like, he must be talking about the lounge. He says, no, I'm talking about the, the main show, Circus Maximus. I said, Circus Maximus? And I said, are you going to open for somebody? He says, no, I'm talking about headlining now. You just kept digging, you kept digging a bigger hole. Yes, I can't believe George, you never heard the name Willie thinking. Nelson? Yeah. So I said, what you should do, you should go downtown to the Golden Nugget. That's where Kenny Rogers and the first edition are. That's where they book a lot of the lounge, a lot of the country acts. You should go there. You'll you have a great chance of going in. I mean, as long as the show is good. Oh, boy. So he says, no. <laughs> yeah, but I'm really I'm really talking about working here at Caesars. I said, I said come on, Caesars? I go, I go to Stephen Eadie, Sinatra, Paul Manka, Carol Channing. Now, I'm trying to help him about 10, 15 minutes later. I'm getting bored with him because I know he's wasting my I'm trying to help him. Mm. He's fooling with me. He's You're helping him. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute, let me ask you a question. Did you count how many joints he smoked first? <laughs> He's always well, stoned. Sitting in the corner on the floor, yeah. on the rug, and I go, this guy, this guy's wasting my time. So, But I want to ask you a question. How old were you that you thought he was wasting your time? Well, I was, I was, that was about 77, 21. 21. He was wasting was your like time. 21. Uh, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to our audience hearing you say this. We said you're Mr. Entertainment, and you don't know Willie Nelson. <laughs> I don't have a clue. Okay. <laughs> I love the tuxedo acts. So then he opens up about six months later. I go backstage because I know all the security people. He spots me, and he looks at me, and he stares at me, and he calls another guy in his band. He goes, come here, come here, come here. That's the guy pointing yeah. at me. He goes, that's the guy that tried to help me get a job, didn't have a clue who I was. He's, I said, you I said you knew I didn't have a clue who you are. Yeah. He says, yeah, but you were trying to help me get a job. Yeah. He didn't want to tip it to me that he was a, a big country star, and I didn't have a clue who he was. I don't know. Nobody was. It was a movie set, so nobody's treating him special. He's sitting on the, he's sitting on the floor. So at, at 21 years of age, what were you doing on that set? I, I was working as a stand-in. And I was working as an extra. The story only gets better. He's just standing in an extra, and he's talking to Willie Nelson, who's a national star. You're the best. Right. And you, I would go in the morning about 5, 5.30 with Rock, <clears throat> Robert Redford. We'd go over from Caesars to the Flamingo, and then he, he would gamble, and I would gamble with him. He never bet more than $5 on a blackjack. And we'd be there for 15, 20 minutes. Then we'd leave. We'd go back to Caesars. Then I'd go home. It would be after the shooting. And that would be it. But it was strange. At 5, 5.15 in the morning, nobody ran over to Robert Redford in those days and said, oh, my God, it's Robert Redford. He just went over and would gamble. Well, Rob I guess now, there's a guy that I happen to know. When he's out, he don't look like Robert Redford. He's got the worst complexion. He looks like... Yeah, he, wasn't, he didn't have the makeup on. Or he already removed the hat. The cowboy hat was Pat, on. You have, have you ever saw Robert Richard, uh, Redford on the street? You would think he's an adolescent with acne and looking like Robert Redford. Am I right? You know, there was a couple of shots of him on, a, on his ranch. I think it's in Sun Valley somewhere, wherever it is. And he isn't made up. And you can see he's got some skin problems. Oh, Always my had. God. Major, major, major. And it was strange. I just found about a, about two weeks ago, I found a shot of him with, with the horse going through the casino. And right in front of him is me. Looking up at him, he's kind of smiling. I don't know if he's smiling. He's smiling in my direction. I think he's smiling at the horse, George. And it could be smiling at the horse. <laughs> but that's that, that that that's that story about Willie Nelson. I didn't have a clue who he was. He was Willie Nelson. He was he was having a great time with me, not knowing who he was, and he didn't want to tip it to me that he didn't say my name is Willie Nelson. And like I said, I walked away after about fifteen minutes because I'm trying to help this guy get a job in the lounge and. He's obviously wasting my time, but the joke was on me. And getting two hundred fifty thousand a show. <laughs> Have you stayed in touch with him, George? Huh? Have you stayed in touch with him? No, I really didn't know him. We during the filming, you know, you kind of get close to the people you're filming with because it's it's hours and hours and days and days. So you always have a, a little a brief of relationship. But you know, I was going to be a, a, an agent for 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 live performance. So and he was a, a big movie star. So, no, I didn't stay. That was it, that brief time, about maybe about a week. But it was fun. A lot of great memories. And 
that was all Vegas. That was really good. But, and now I'm, I'm in San Diego for about a week, having some meetings. Then I'm coming back with Gianni uh, when he does that wonderful thing in Little Italy or receives that re- award. And then he does his great show at Palo Casino. And by the way, you shouldn't miss it, uh, whoever's listening, because it's a great opportunity to see Gianni live. And it's a fabulous, fabulous show. I promise you'll never forget if you come by. Well, thank you for the plug, George. George, let, let me ask you a question. Were you in uh, in, in Vegas when they were shooting uh, the first uh, Ocean's Eleven movie, early '60s? No, no, no. I, I, I moved there in '73. That was a little. No, he's more young. Me. He's young. He's six. Yeah, I, I was just wondering. Uh, no, I was there every night with these guys, and during, I never understood how they existed. They were doing two shows a night and shooting all day. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. I guess when you're young. And, and you're you're with, with pals and hanging out and drinking and carouse and they were going to the steam room I know to to, to get some of that they sweated out yeah, but, but they out. they were there though they were they they were already in their late forties doing those unbelievable anyway a couple of stories about San Diego I was I was doing um, a few years back I was at the Dell the Del Coronado which is about three I miles I love that hotel. Beautiful hotel. Talk about a historic hotel. Pat, you got to see this. Yeah. It's on an island, and it's, I mean, it's so magnificent. It's got to be 150 years old, 200 years old. It's the, it's the largest all-wood hotel, I think, in the world. I mean, Certainly in the United States. It's amazing. Yeah. So there you are. And now what happens, um, there was an entertainment company that said, George, we're, we're doing a show at the Dell. We need to, it's a hundred CEOs and their wives. That's it. We don't know what to do to keep the attention of a hundred CEOs. Have you got any ideas? I said, well, I have an idea. Can you guys hear me? Because there's some music in the background. We hear, you fine. we hear you perfectly. Okay. So I said, well, before there were CEOs, there were people. And the age bracket was young baby boomers. I said, let me try something. You know what show was hot when they were, when they were young, it was Gilligan's Island. You're at the Del Coronado on the ocean. Why don't we try not to do a show? Because they can see any show they want. They're CEOs. It's it's no big deal to see a performer. <clears throat> let me let me get <clears throat> Don Wells, who played Marianne on Gilligan's Island. Let me get Russell Johnson, who played the professor on Gilligan's Island. And let me get Bob Denver Gilligan. I was doing a lot of work with Bill. Well, not a lot of work. He wasn't doing a lot of work. He was doing some dates. And I was doing most of those some dates with Bob Denver. So the premise was to get Russell Johnson, the professor, Dawn Wells, Marianne, and Bob Denver Gilligan together. I said, why don't we do a lobster, crab, shrimp, clam, mussel luncheon on the beach? And then let's bring on, I'll surprise them. Let's just let's say, build a set, like a Gilligan's Island set, start the music, the theme song, the Gilligan's Island, I'll get on the mic. I said, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to, a surprise for you today, they introduced the cast of Gilligan's Island, ladies and gentlemen, Bob Denver Gilligan, Don Wells, Marianne, and Russell Johnson, the presser. Then I said to these 100 CEOs, if you'd like to, each one of you, if you'd line up here, they'd like to take a picture with each and every one of you. And while you're having lunch, at the end of the lunch in an hour, it'll be 11 by 14 photo. And then they're going to hand sign it to each and every one of you. And then it'll be, we have a custom made frame like the SS Minnow, that'll be presented to you at the end of the lunch. And they forgot they were CEOs. They ran to go, they, they, they got back, they ran to get online with the cast of Gillen's Island. They all took pictures with them. They had their luncheon, plenty of booze. And at the end, they got right back in line and all three of them hand signed the photograph. They had, a, they had that machine there to, to make the photographs right, for them. Right. And so he had something to take home that was a little different than normal, see? And it was a complete success. It, it's, it's like I said, if I was, was going to do a singer, you know, how many times do CEOs go with their wives to shows and shows? This was something a little outside the box, something they enjoyed. So Sounds that's great. one thing I did at the Dell in San Diego. It was a lot yeah. of fun. George, now, if uh, Tina Louise was there, I would have shown up, too. <laughs> you know, exactly. But Tina, Tina Louise, she didn't. She didn't really do anything with Gilligan's Island after they left. She, I think she thought it was uh, beneath, beneath her. her. 
I wonder and, why. What 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 did she do after Gilligan's Island? Uh, to my knowledge, not a lot. Mm. And I and not to my knowledge, I don't think anybody's knowledge. She did very very little. But I think she thinks. Did the, she marry the, well? Yeah. Yeah, she married well. She lives in Manhattan. She's still alive. And I believe she's the last survivor of Gilligan's Island. She lives in Manhattan. And to this day, she she really doesn't have anything to do with Gilligan's Island. At the end, she didn't put it down, at least. But she just didn't have she just it was her and then the rest of the cast. And I'm, I'm really going to give you a challenge, George, on okay. the air. Pat and I want you to get her to do our podcast. We're well, she about, might just do that because it has nothing to do with Gilligan's Island. Well, because it's, she's in I New York. I will reach out and see what I can do. No, reach out and say we got a mailbag and they want you to find her. See where you get her. people are asking about you. Now we have some fun. All we'll, right. We'll have the four of us on with her. That could be interesting. <laughs> it could be yeah, very the, uh, the uh, only other surviving member was Dawn Wells. She passed away last year. Uh, but she was she, one of the yeah, she was hitting on some hard times at the end. Who? At the end, she was living in Toluca Lake. And Who I was? Which one? Dawn Wells. Oh, Dawn Wells, yeah. No, I'm told, let's go back to Tina Louise. <laughs> okay. Being that, I'm, I'm doing this for you, Pat. You were the one that said, if she was here, you hey. were gone. So now we'll have her come to you. How's that, pal? Dawn Wells, Dawn Wells in her day was uh, very attractive. Uh, I knew who she was, but she was yeah. more the goody-two-shoe one. Yeah, well, that, that, that was the... Yeah, well, she know. was like the mayonnaise, <laughs> and, 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 and Tina, Tina Louise, Louise was... was the action. Yeah, Tina, yeah. Nah, Tina Louise was the, the, the meat of the sandwich. <laughs> yeah. There was always a contest, Marianne, Don Wells, or Tina Louise. And I thought Don Wells was adorable, but I got to go with Tina Louise. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tough decision. Sex appeal, yeah, hello. And then another show I did, uh, this, I'm, I'm about, maybe about... 600 yards from Humphreys Concerts by the Bay in the ocean here. And I used to produce a lot of shows here. And one of them was Don Ho. And when I was living in Las Vegas... Well, that has to be big. How big is Humphreys? They, they could seat about maybe 1,100. Oh, that's It's an outside say. show right by all the yachts. It's, it's a jewel. It's one of the beautiful venues. One of the most beautiful venues I ever saw in the country. As long as you don't rain. Huh? As long as it doesn't rain. It doesn't yeah, rain. Exactly. Yeah, it goes without saying. <laughs> yeah. Great venue. So now I'm living next door to my parents was Don Ho's cousin. When I moved to Vegas, I was 17. And coincidentally, about two months later, his cousin was uh, Don Ho was working the Flamingo Hotel. And one of the first, and then, and then being he was with my father, the next door neighbor says, we want you to come to see Don Ho with us. And I remember being 17. The second I met Don Ho, the first thing he said to me, George, this is Don. Nice to meet you, boy. He goes, give the boy a drink. Get him some wine. Wine. And I was so excited. Here I am, 17, and Don Ho is treating me like an adult. And I said to him that day, I said, one day we're going to work together. And then we started working together. But I brought him here to Humphreys, and he did two shows. You know, they say San Diego's the the closest thing to Hawaiian Hawaii on the mainland. And so I would bring him here to, uh, to uh, San Diego once in a while to do shows, but he was a wonderful, wonderful man. He was generous. He was kind, had a lot of girlfriends. He had a lot of kids, a lot of different women. uh, That's great. Johnny, did you ever meet Don Ho? No, I never wanted to either. I (laughs) I could have met him in Hawaii. Yeah. Don Ho, you know, it's like like you meeting Willie Nelson. You didn't know who he was. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> he was one of the nicest guys. He and passed. Then, did he die now? Another fun story. No, yeah. George. Don Ho used to headline the Hilton Hawaiian Village, the Holodome. It was a giant, about stated about 2,200. And one of these times, Don was going on tour, and he going out for a month, so he hired Marty Allen and Steve Rossi, to work the holodome at the Hilton Hawaiian Village while he was going to be. Are you kidding me? Did, wait till I tell you the story. I, you, I don't now, have to. I can imagine. They bombed. Steve's there. A promoter got a hold of him, talked him to uh, Alan and Rossi to doing the show. Now, Steve is out there and he's doing jokes and he hears. 
now he goes into his big hit, more, more than the greatest love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, and at the end of this, this is his big song. And no, at the end of this song, here's, he told you it was his big song. There's nobody there. <laughs> now, Marty Allen's supposed to be joining them from the top of the stage, coming down this long, high stair. And Marty Allen's at the top of the stage. Am I allowed to curse? Can I say a curse word? Sure. This is you two. <laughs> now, Marty Allen's on top of the stair. And, and, and Steve Ross is going, and, he, and he's supposed to come down now. Because ladies and my partner, Marty Allen. And he, Marty's on top of the stairs, and then and he's not coming down. And Steve goes, Marty, come on down. Come on down. And he goes, I'm not coming down. He goes, why? He goes, because there's no fucking people out there. <laughs> <laughs> he turned around. He walked back down the stairs. He went to the dressing room, got dressed. Got the next plane out of town. He left. There was no. There were about maybe twenty people. I and knew. I knew like that 000. story. I knew that story. Huh? That's why I said I knew that story. Nobody showed up. They don't know no, who they there are. Was a, there was a door deal, and nobody showed up to see Alan and Rossi. But the promoter sell them a, a bill of goods. Oh, you'll pack it. Everybody knows Alan and Rossi around the world. Nobody. There was nobody there. <laughs> but they I mean, stayed the next couple of days and got some tan, and they left. But the funniest thing is that. Wait, wait is, is, is he live yet, Steve Rossi? No. Steve Rossi died about uh, four years ago. We died long and before Alan, that. Marty no. Allen died about. No, 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 he <laughs> died long before that, George. They embalmed him four years ago. He thought he was Sinatra, this guy. You mean he, Alan and Rossi died at 8 o'clock? I mean, this guy, he, Pat, this guy, because I was around this guy so many times. Even in my club, he'd come in and think he should have the best table, he should have this. He had an ego, was insane. And he really wasn't that talented. No, Marty they, Allen they, was very funny. But he was a nice guy. He was it was one of the it's a shame it's a shame because that's somebody who the business forgot about. And towards the end, he, there really weren't any dates. But he really wanted to work. But that's the, that's how rough this business is. That you people they forget about you and it's over. And Alan and Marty Allen worked more than no, Steve but the did bottom line yet. they forget about you easy if you don't have talent. I'd yeah. say it the way it is. The guy's a bum. I mean, yeah. I, we still have friends that are old and still working. Yeah, because yeah. they have talent. Well, without without Marty Allen, they did they 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 they, they, they weren't on the greatest terms. But for you're ready for while, this. Alan, Marty um, Allen's wife, who was the who was their manager, right, used to come to State Street all the time, and she said you should come out with Allen for a month. We're going to go home to our hometown. He sells out all the time. Get to this is how good close I was with Marty Allen and his wife. I, what was her name? I forgot. A pretty old, a little fat lady. What was her name? What was Marty's wife's name? George, you remember? <laughs> She was the manager. I can't be sure her name right now. It'll come to me in a couple of minutes. But anyway, Pat, so now, he's a very funny guy. I really like him. He said, don't worry, just come out, do because Sinatra told everybody, help him, I want him to, you know, I'm to get used to audiences. So I went to his hometown in Philadelphia, somewhere they live, and he goes there every year, sold out for four weeks. So he brings me. So he comes to my dressing room, and this is a true story. He sees me ironing my boxer shorts. He says, what are you doing? Uh, that's all the time. I'm ironing man. my boxer shorts. Yeah. He says, why? Who's going to see them? I said, I don't know, but, you know. You never so know. Every night after he <laughs> saw that, next night, because he used to come out at the end of my song, how about ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Russo, newcomer, da-da-da-da-da. He said, Johnny, Every night after he saw me do that, he said, you're not going to believe this, ladies and gentlemen. He irons his boxer shorts. Johnny, sh drop your pants. Show me your boxer shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Every night I had to do that on stage. It was the bear. They put it in the newspapers. People were coming in to see me drop my pants. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> well, that's a way to get an audience. I know. It was good. <laughs> I love show business. <laughs> Marty, Marty Allen was telling me a story one time when he did the Ed Sullivan show. And they came on, I think, before the Beatles. He, he that's when they first the, the first time they came on the show. And Marty Allen goes into Paul McCartney's dressing room, you know, with his crazy, crazy hair. Oh he yeah, goes, yeah. I yeah. just want you to, you know, the line because I just want you to know something. He goes, 
a lot of people mistaken me for you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's had a, such a such a great sense of humor. Good man, really good man. He was a really nice, a wonderful, wonderful. Person. Oh my God, yeah. No, this, I had to tell that story. I mean, who, whoever thought we'd be talking about Marty Allen? <laughs> So oh, does Steve Rossi complete guy. that show in San Diego with the, with the 12, 20 people in the audience? Say it again. Did, did he complete the show in San Diego with 20 people in the audience? No, that was no, Hawaii. It was in Hawaii. Hawaii. He went to fill in for him in Hawaii. Well, Nobody. Don Ho. Don Ho. And all the tourists. The Hawaiian Village. All the, yeah, all the tourists that go there go to see Don Ho. So when he takes that month off, they don't let you know that. Until yeah. you go down and buy your ticket. No, they say, I, I don't want to. see Don Ho, and all of a sudden, ladies and gentlemen, Alan and Rossi. And they go, what? Who? Give, <laughs> give me my money back. <laughs> now, an interesting, that is one, another story as long as I'm in San Diego. I guess about three years ago, just before the pandemic, you know, you already know I'm a big Jerry Lewis fan. Oh. And I would go with, to meet uh, Jerry on his yacht. You're the guy. Yeah. Oh, let me ask you a question. Jerry always had a yacht behind the Marriott Hotel, 78-foot Chris Crown. Oh, he always had it. But let me ask you a question. He only died two years ago? No, but Jerry Lewis died 2016. So it's three years ago. You said yeah, before the, the pandemic. Yacht for, the yacht didn't come for sale until about two, three years later. Oh, oh, I thought you said before the pandemic you were with Jerry Lewis. No, before the pandemic is when the story is about the yacht. Oh, oh, about the yacht. Okay. Uh, that I, you know, and I've been on this yacht many times, and it's a really cool looking yacht, seventy eight foot Chris Craft. And I and I tell my wife, I always said I want to buy that yacht when he sells it. I want to buy that yacht. Yeah. But we went on board and looked at it, and it was it was Jerry. Everything was custom made. Everything was red, 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 and and checkerboard. And I and it's all Jerry and all the Dunhill cologne is everywhere. And I'm thinking, and I'm asking, how much do you want for this yacht? And it's it's something's wrong. The price is too cheap. And it was three hundred ninety nine thousand seventy eight foot Chris Crab. Now I go to the captain. I said, "Why is this just three hundred ninety nine? Because it no needs everything. It's all wood, right? And if it's a wood boat, and it's and in it, salt water, how stupid! Exactly. It, 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 you have to have the barnacles scraped every month. You have to have this, and you have oh, to I have know. This. Well, I have know? a boat that's all wood. I keep it in. You do. I've had it since I'm 21, George. Oh, my God. It's in Madeira, Spain. It's 147 oh feet and 28 Anybody feet. Anybody wanted to buy this yacht? And my wife says, you're not buying the yacht. It's a piece of junk. It is. And you're buying it because it's Jerry Lewis, and that's where we draw the line. Hello. <laughs> you're not buying this yacht because it'll be the biggest mistake in your life. And the, five minutes after you buy it, nobody's going to care because it's not Jerry Lewis yacht anymore. It's your yacht. And it's an old 78-foot, old, 55, 57-foot beat up, yeah. But it looked so, beautiful at the dock. And uh, I was on it many times for meetings with Jerry. But that was kind of fun. Those Gianni, are the Diego stories that it's Gianni, here. Yeah. Uh, on, that, on that happy note, we're about a, a, a half hour in. Let me see. Do our first commercial. Oh, yeah, please. George, we'll be right back. we got to make some money. Yes, let's make some. Don't go anywhere. We know where you live, and we will show up. We'll be yes. right back. Today's show is being sponsored by Cordelione Fine Italian Food Products. This sponsor really means a lot to me. Cordelione Fine Italian has taken the heart and soul of the Godfather films and created a line of food products that include pasta sauce, balsamic vinegar from Modena, Italy, Genco Extra Virgin Olive Oil from Sicily, they created delicious pasta sauces, marinade, tomato basil, arrabbiato, and my favorite, Clemenza's meat sauce. You will be amazed. You will think your grandmother made the sauce herself. CorleoneFineItalian.com. That's CorleoneFineItalian.com. All right, we're back with our good friend and entertainment editor telling us so many classic stories as only he could do because he experienced them all, this maniac that he is. George <laughs> Pecoraro, my friend. Hello, Pat. Hello, Gianni. How's everybody doing? Hello again. You know what we should do, though? Because maybe this is the first time they're hearing you. George is an old friend of mine. Not that he's as old as I am. But Nobody the is. story how we met, I think, is a classic. 
George, why don't you tell the audience who hasn't heard this story how you and I met in Las Vegas, Nevada? Well, I had just moved to Las Vegas with my family uh, from Florida, uh, near Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood, Pembroke Pines. And I guess about three blocks from our house, I'm walking down the street, and I see this uh, gentleman, cool-looking guy with a, with a beautiful lamb's color uh, jacket in the winter, and he's troweling and stuccoing his block wall. And what, what stuck out, I thought, oh, my God, look. I can't believe this guy is troweling and stuccoing cement with a, with a beautiful lamb's jacket like that that probably cost a fortune. And he had the beautiful shoes on with the crests, the, the, the velour shoes. And and I just stopped and I said, and and just a, a couple of minutes later, he, he, he the the garage door went up and there's one of the one of the most classic beautiful Bentleys silver silver cloud Bentleys goes up and he goes yeah that's my car and and and, and I just looked at it I go it's my favorite because it's like it's with the round ones you know right, I think it was right, about, right. what 59 60 65 65 absolutely stunning and that's how we first met and he says you live around here I said we well, I live about three blocks away. And um, he goes, well, every Sunday I have about 20 people over for dinner. A lot of the celebrities on the strip. Why don't you come by? You seem like a nice guy. Have dinner. Uh, we'll have, we start in the afternoon. I make the sauce, the gravy, start from the night before. And we'll have, it's all about conversation and friends and family. And and I did. And we did that for years, every Sunday. And all it would be like, it, just, it would just be wonderful. It was just a lot of love, a lot of caring. That's how we first met. Uh, Sunday, sauce. Sunday sauce. Sunday huh? sauce. Sunday sauce. Sunday sauce. Yep. And yeah. he always did it with the pepperoni. He would, he oh yeah, yeah. That, 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 was, uh, that's the pepperoni. That's the. Um, oh my. Penny arrabbiata. Penny arrabbiata. That's it. Penny arrabbiata sauce. And the garlic bread was amazing, and the salads. But it was really it was about that, and it was about a four, five, six hour evening that started from about three, three thirty yeah. in the afternoon. I, and if my memory serves me right, that's that's where you met most of your clients later on that you represented. I met a lot of them. <laughs> David Brenner, I think Anthony Newley. I don't remember how many, but there was a lot that would come by. And it, it, he had piano players that, that lived on the same block. Bobby that Vinton came by a lot. Yeah, yeah. Bobby was there a lot. Yeah. And, and then the piano player, what's the name from piano player for the Riviera, right? Or oh, the yeah. He, he was the, yeah, he was the Riviera, best. Riviera, right? Yep, yeah. Great guy, too, that guy. And that's where I met Brenner, and, and that's where he introduced me to Billy Crystal at the hotel that night. And it's just about, it's just a lot of really great memories. But that's where we first met. You and know, now here well, we are 50 years later as friends. Yeah, 50 years later. I don't know how it happened. For somehow, I, I, I got, I'm now a little older than you. I don't know how to help. <laughs> he was always older than me, and now I'm older than him. That, that, that happens. I, I always like the old comics, and you know you, you lose track of them. Did you represent David Brenner? Oh my God, he met I David in my house. I didn't have him exclusively, but I did hundreds of shows with David Brenner, starting from about 1980 until about four months before he, four or five months before he died. And when was that? Um, he died also, I believe, in 2016. Okay, but Pat. It's funny you should say that because he met David at my house every Sunday. Was at my house. Really, no, he, he was always one of my favorite comics. I always oh, so good. He was great. He was I love this humor. I met him. I wasn't even in the business. He treated me the same way that day for the for the 40, 42, 43 years that I knew him. He always treated me with a lot of class. He was always a wonderful guy. In fact, on his I, many people don't notice. Almost nobody knows this, but on his tombstone. On the back of his tombstone, it says, "If this is a joke, I don't get it." <laughs> oh, I like that. That's David Brenner. That, I love that man. That is great. That's fabulous. Shows the humor right till the end. Good for he him. was, you know, he was very vain. He took great care of himself. Worked out every day. Watched what he ate. And I believe Jimmy Walker is the same age as David Brenner. And then when they, they uh, Jimmy called me and he says, "Jimmy, he goes, George, I don't know, I don't understand." He goes, "Wow." Because, you know, Brenner and I are the same age, right? He says, yeah. And then all of a sudden, about three years ago, I became 10 years older than David. He's telling <laughs> everybody he's 10 years younger. Okay. And I, I know he's 10 years older. 
but he always take great care of himself. And he, he never could tell, he didn't look anywhere near the age that he was, but, but he died at 78, but he, he looked about 68. How'd he die? Cancer. Yeah. I talked to him about, was he a smoker? He, was he a smoker? I, I, don't, I don't know what kind of he had, but I, he, he waited too long to get the right. He was trying to cure himself with herbs oh. and eating right and all that. And so he didn't get the right treatment. By the time he realized he had to have the right treatment, it was too late. Yeah. And then he went down pretty. And somebody called me and says, George, I saw David walking in Central Park with a cane. He goes, you might want to call him. I said, David, I know, I know you're having a tough time. Is there anything I can do? Did, did you go to Scripps? Did you go this? Did you go there? He says, George, he goes, I, I, I'm doing everything I can to, to, to do what I can. But and, George... Um, if anybody calls you and says, I saw Gianni in Central Park walking with a cane. He does that every day. I do that every day. <laughs> but the only reason I'm carrying the cane is because I had some friends try to relieve some of my jewelry from me. <laughs> and if I know you, the tip of that cane is probably a mallet. I, I, uh, George, I saw that cane. That would, that would bring down an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> I go the, everywhere with this cane. Forget about a gun. The mallet at the end of that cane. I think you showed it to me when I was at your house. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but the funniest thing is I I have a carry permit in New York, which is hard to get. But my lawyer said, don't shoot anybody right now, please. So I put the gun away and I carry this cane. So far, I'm three for three on the cane. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing you have to bring out lately in New York is a Sharpie because people want your autograph. I, <laughs> Thank God that's happening a lot, fortunately. Well, they see you and they know you and the great one of the nicest things about you, oh, there's many, so many, that you're always wonderful and generous and, and to, to the to the fans that you meet, they're always warm to you No, and, and that you're always, you always have take the time to say hello and where you're from and you'll be signed on and I'll take a picture and that's not overly the norm for a lot of celebrities. I have to be, be generous to valid TV. I'd done so much valid TV. And this is a classic story, and, I, and nobody's going to get offended by it. But with what you're saying, and thank you for that, I'm walking up Madison Avenue, and here comes six really dressed, sharp black guys. And they come right up to me, and they said, man. I said, yeah, what? They said, can we take a picture of you? I said, well, I thought you were going to rob me. A picture can have all you want. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and the people I were with dropped dead. They were laughing like hell. And now, like you said, these guys took my email. Like They, they constantly dropped me a line. We, can we buy you dinner? I said, no, no, it's not, no. We love hanging out with you. It was so funny that day. I walked a couple <laughs> of blocks with them. Good thing, good thing they had a sense of humor. Otherwise, you would have had to use your cane. Hello. Yeah. So you know this not this Saturday two days ago today's Monday we're taping, but nine days ago I'm in Niagara Falls. Oh and, yeah, um, our friend Chaz. Yeah, I was doing a, a Bronx Tale for two nights with Chaz Palmateri. And well, uh, clarify was, that you weren't doing it. it. Clarify for the audience you weren't doing a Bronx Tale. You booked Chaz Palmateri there. <laughs> That's exactly correct. Okay. <laughs> I got to watch what I say. I, I, I get there's more people listening to other than you, me, and Pat. Yeah, yeah, thank God. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's yeah, a fourth out God. there somewhere. <laughs> anyway, we go up there and um, we, we do the show for two nights. He does the show for two nights that I book. And it was, and, and, and it was, it was, you know, if you saw the Bronx Tale, which I think probably everybody listening to this show has, it's very much just like the movie. He plays about 26 characters in there. And it was brilliant. It's his masterpiece. And then we had dinner two nights in a row. But the last night, uh, he w- uh, the, the next day uh, was his birthday. He just turned 70. And we had the, we had a wonderful dinner. And uh, he was very generous and kind. And it was a really great uh, great show. And uh, No, that show, the- that show, anybody that's seen it, like you said, him playing that little boy and, the, and all that. I mean, the characters oh, yeah, saw- he takes on, it's amazing. I mean, and it's it been going forever. I'm talking about a guy milking one performance. It's amazing. He's yeah, I don't know anybody. Broadway. He brought it everywhere. Have you seen and it? I saw it play on Broadway with 30 saw, people, and it was incredible. I, I saw, and now I finally saw it with two people. 
I saw the show when it first opened. It was either in the late 80s or early 90s in a tiny theater. Uh, I believe it was on uh, West 96th Street. Maybe it fit 30 to 50 people. That was it. And you, you were right on top of the stage with this guy. And at the time, no one knew who Chess Palminteri was because he wasn't Ch Chess Palminteri yet, so to speak. You know, but what a show that was. I'll never forget that. It's well, a I didn't lot know. of work. I, mean, it, it's I didn't know he was it. doing it that long. Oh, yeah. It's 30 years. I, he, I was still living he, in New York. He was doing it that long. It's amazing. Yeah. And um, the show he did for me was the 1001 and 1000 seconds show he'd ever done. And I asked him, I said, when you say 1001, 1002 now, I go, does that include the production on Broadway? Because no, that 1001, 1002 is just me doing it as a one single. Yeah. And all he had on stage was one chair. It was just all yep. was it's it. 80 minutes start to finish. No, no breaks. No, no, no breaks. And, it, and it's, it's got to be exhausting. But he, he did a fantastic job. Yeah, he, I, I, I could relate to it now because I'm in rehearsals and I'm doing about the same thing, 80 minutes. But, you know, when you're doing your life, it, it goes by like 10 minutes. Because it's not like you're studying lines. It's it's you wrote it. It's your life, and it it just flies by. It's, it's got to be tiring, though. No, it's not at all. No, no, not for How me. I mean, I can't speak for him, but I've been yeah. running the show now, and uh, I I'll go out after the show and hang out and do whatever. It doesn't bother me at all. Well, I've seen you do it, and it's like a love fest. Yeah, people get there and they watch it, and there's a genuine affection. You know. The Godfather, to bring up The Godfather again, but it's not like The Brady Bunch. I mean, it's like, it's such really? a classic. Yeah, it, it, if you're Italian, there is no, it, The Godfather 1, Godfather 2, if you're Italian, that, it, you know, it, it. I can only speak for me, but it made you proud to be Italian. It was a lot of violence, a lot, whatever it was. But these guys were like men, you know? Yeah. And it, it, I don't know, I can only speak to me, but when I think mob films, the only, I, I can only go... Godfather one, Godfather two, and everything else, I can appreciate, but that's the pinnacle. That's the that's right. the gold standard to me, and I think to millions of people around the world. No, I know. I mean, it's it's crazy, and it's maybe keeps not going. Butte, Montana, too much, but other than Butte, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but I, I, it's amazing, even with the because uh, we're getting mail now and, and questions based on the offer. That's a ten, a ten, six-hour miniseries going on CBS and Paramount right now of the making of The Godfather. And yesterday, on Instagram, I couldn't believe I saw this. They have the orange suit that I wore in the fight scene. Oh my God, that's a that's got to be a classic war, piece of wardrobe. But listen to this, and they have the placket for the car windshield, the offer, and a book. They want seven hundred dollars an outfit. Oh, Every, it's not the original. This is, a, this is a copy, right? This is the one from the offer. No, mine. Oh, the one from the offer. Yeah. Well, whatever happened with the original that you wore? Do well, I see it back there in the background? I don't see it. Anymore. Well, I have. I have two of them. Out of the eight. They made eight because of the, you know going into the water and the fight scene and all that stuff. So I, the first day, two were missing. <laughs> They got to be worth the fortune someday, somewhere. But anyway, but I, I just thought that's funny. They're selling for thousands and thousands of dollars on Julian's auctions. That they, they they would they would snap that up. It's such a classic. I mean that that scene. You know, every all your parts were great. Everybody did a great job in that film. But that scene with with Khan. Where he throws the, the what's the bat at you? I think or yeah, the bat, the, bat, the garbage pail. He threw everything at me. A classic scene. Yeah. But but people always go, wow, the, the suit was so cool. You know, yeah. that was a guy. I don't know. It was just it, it was perfect. I think for that the era. suit backfired on them because they made it to make me look ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't think so. I thought it, I thought you looked cool. It, it, great from that era. It wasn't a leisure suit. It was a cool suit. Yeah. It was a suit suit. It was probably made from uh, Nat Wise or something like that. Who knows? It was uh, orange. It was orange in yeah. color. Salmon. It was crazy. It anyway. wasn't a subtle suit. No, no that's what I'm all. saying. No. 
So what classic story are you going to tell us to, to say au revoir? Classic story. I don't know. Prod me. Oh, okay. Um, bring up a name, any name. What's Alan it? King. Alan King. Everybody knows Alan. Oh, yeah. Alan King. Good. Okay, I yeah. loved Alan. Comedian, for those of you who don't know. And on Broadway right now is Billy Crystal doing Mr. Saturday Night from his classic inside film about all the comedians that work the Cascals, Jerry Lewis, Alan King, Milton Berle, Henny Youngman, Sid Caesar, that whole era. Right. Read all of them. So now that movie and that play is more about Alan King than any other of the Catskill comedians because Billy Crystal, I believe his idol is Alan King. And I, I worked with Alan many times and Usually what he would do before he went on stage, people didn't, I don't think that the public knows this too much. He would always have me go get a double shot. I think it was Crown Royal. And he would take a shot and then he said, George, give me another shot. And I get another double shot. Of and the people didn't know, the more, as he drank a little bit, he'd get angry. And the more the angrier he got, the funnier he got. And by the time he hit the stage, he was, I would put it this way, he, he was relaxed <laughs> but he was, he was ready to get into his bit, and and his his bits were such classic classic bits. Yeah. Red buttons told me. Alan used to always talk about my brother the doctor, my brother the doctor. You remember that? Yeah, and, sure. and, and the stories on stage and and because his mother and father loved the brother the doctor more than him. <laughs> exactly, but the punchline is Alan King was an only child. Oh, I never knew that. It was all shit. I didn't know that. Red Buttons told me, you know, because I would bring up Alan. I go, and he would say, I loved Alan. He, he goes, let me tell you how great Alan was. He goes, he always talked about the bit of the doctor. Alan was an only child. So that would, that Red Buttons told that to me directly when I used to stay at his house in Bel Air. That's and a great tidbit fun. for our audience to know. That's funny. Exactly. But Alan King was a, always a classic guy. And I, I got to know him when he when he had the Alan King Caesar's Palace Tennis Classic. Caesar's Palace. Oh yeah, every year he had him. And I would bring several of the celebrities. I would bring Sonny Bono there. I would bring Alan Thicke there. Stephen Bishop. Um, but I tell you, that was a, that was a big thing. It was huge. But Caesar's, I remember that well. How about gave, how about I remember who the tennis pro was? Pancho Gonzalez. My, that's exactly correct. And my brother would. My brother worked in the tennis shop there, and he would hit balls with him every day for like two, three hours. You couldn't make a reservation. You couldn't buy his time to have him hit balls with you. He was that kind of guy. Oh yeah. If he liked you, he would know who he would hit with. He would hit with Burt Bacharach. Well, no. The thing is, see, they paid him to, as one of the celebrities to be there, like they did yeah, Joey Lewis. They had a lot of. People just walking around, but having him as the tennis pro got the more recognition in the world, even the tennis world, the celebrity world, because he was there. They won, like you said, they want to go play with him. And he was a rebel, very much a rebel. He 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 hated. He he wasn't too fond of CEOs of companies. He 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 was a rebel, and 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 if, if he met you and you wanted to hire him to hit, you know, to, to book a time with him to, to have to teach you a lesson or something like that. If he didn't like, he would say, "I'm not, I'm not hitting with you," and and then he would go. They would go like the CEO with the truck. I, I thought this guy's supposed to be, and they said, "We can't control Poncho. Does what Poncho wants to do," and he was just very much a rebel. He was like John McEnroe ish. Yeah, hello. And, uh, him and he was very close friends with Poncho. I always liked him. Though. I spent a lot of time with him. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah, yeah. I spent you weren't going to push him around. He was going to do whatever he wanted to do. Well, that's what they do when they, you know, when they get hired in that role. He's not gonna. Get, you're not gonna buy me by the hour, lady. See you later. Well, he needed the money, but because they didn't make a, a fortune in those days, like no. you know, a, a comparison, you're never gonna see John McEnroe take a job because he's too rich. Hello, filthy rich. But well, just days, just the just the uh, the um, what are they doing when they when they these sports they get these uh, you know what's the word I'm looking for commentators endorsements endorsements yeah oh my god <laughs> that's where the money is. They didn't have that years ago. I know. Played and that was it. But yeah. so he he probably needed the money at Caesars, but he wasn't. He, he played by his rules. He was a he was a no fooling around kind of guy. 
Well, George, another great show. Thank you. Another great show. And for our audience, George is with us once a month. And if the cards and letters keep coming in and we move to another network, maybe he'll be with us every day or once a week. Who knows? Yeah. George, thank you so much. Thank you, Gianni. Uh, Always a pleasure. Pat, it was great to see you again, my friend. Same here, George. Thank you. Give my best to Gigi that we interrupted your vacation. (laughs) My pleasure. I'll see you in in, in several weeks in in San Diego. And once again, don't forget to see Gianni. Is it October 1st, the date at Pala? Yeah, Saturday night, October 1st, the Pala Hotel. Be there. Uh, I'll see you there. I'll be together with uh, the – I'll be there that night with my wife, Gigi. And great. I'm looking forward to seeing you, and I'm I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic show. And um, I'll see you then. All right. Thank you. Good night, George. Thank you very much. Good night, George. Bye. Bye, gentlemen. Good night, Pat. Bye-bye. That's a wrap. Oh, we got – oh, no, we got a – oh, that was a reminder to our fans. Uh, Keep the cards and letters coming. Our ratings are going higher and higher. And the show that next week is a show that somebody requested out of Chicago. They wanted to hear about Sam DiStefano. Well, we found out a lot about Sam (laughs) DiStefano. Jesus. And that'll be next week's show. God bless you all. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Good night, John. Good night, Pat. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but Thank just you call for tuning me. in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Horan, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you'd like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be around. I'll be around.